Travia, you won't believe this. What's up? They found another American Gen Z rising tennis star. Another one? Yup, Ben Shelton. Go Gators! Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Travia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are a college and high school gal duo and two tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Welcome back to another episode of Hold On To Your Racket. We're on episode 105 it's a lot of episodes, but um, here we are anyways, and we are closing in on our favorite time of the year. No, not the holidays. It <laughs> is, in fact, the U.S. Open. But first, we have this big other tournament to get through, you know, somewhere in, like, Ohio. Nobody cares about the Midwest. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, the Western and Southern Open is happening this week. Very exciting stuff. But first, before we get into that, we have something very exciting that was, how can I say this, found in the Hold On To Your Racket historical archives earlier this morning by Shravia. Actually having nothing to do with me, this is Shravia's history. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was cleaning out my room before I get ready to move out for college, and I found a book that I wrote for a school project in first grade. We had to write how-to books. So we have to write them, we have to illustrate them. And I wrote a book on how to be a good tennis player. You can check out our Twitter for a few photos. I don't know if we ever want to um, potentially... Well, one day you'll be able to see it in its glory in the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Um, When Josephina and I are inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. For what? We still don't know. Otherwise, in the time being, you can just look at our social media. But... (laughs) <laughs> um, so yes, it's called How to Be a Good Tennis Player, and I'm going to read it out to you. So on the co- inside cover is a picture of me and my dad. Uh, he taught me how to play tennis on the tennis ball near my house. Um, and that's why I wrote in the first page of the book that this book is dedicated to my dad for teaching me how to play tennis. That is okay. very cute. So first step. Buy a tennis racket and some tennis balls. I think that's pretty good advice. Put on sneakers and socks. That's also very good advice. Don't want those blisters. Mm -mm. Do some arm and leg stretches before you play tennis. Yes, dynamic warm-up. Yeah. We totally do that all the time. All the time. Um, Practice throwing the ball to strengthen your hands. It's actually kind of funny because I was reading this and I was like, this is literally the same routine that Josephina and I did with our kids during summer camp. Yeah. Like, this is what they would do. They would, like, start with um, stretching and then throwing the ball back and forth to each other. (laughs) All right, next. Practice hitting the ball with a racket on a tennis wall. Nice. Practice serving the ball with a racket. Start Mm -hmm. hitting with a partner and having a rally. Yes, very good. Make 
make sure you keep score. And in the drawing, I have the girl saying that she has one point and the guy saying, okay, so look at that. I am a feminist here because the girl won the point and she's the one being assertive and seeing out the score. And the guy is like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. That's how that's, it is. That's why we are podcast hosts, female Gen Z podcast hosts. Okay. <clears throat> when you play tennis, have fun and play with good sportsmanship. We can't say that about all the boys that Josephina and I have played tennis with. But we can say that we have upheld those values ourselves. Yes. And then the last page is a picture of me holding a tennis racket and thinking that I am the next Morgan Riddle or whatever. Um, (laughs) The end. So that is how to be a good tennis player. I think we can give some of this advice to our faves next time they're in a flop era. Yeah. Um, Matteo Veratini would have been saved in 2020 if this existed. For real. Like, if we had found this. Yeah. You're so right for that. Um, All right. Let's get into talking about Cincinnati tennis. Um, We're pretty deep into the tournament. I've actually personally liked what's been going on lately. So let's just, um, yeah, let's just chat a little bit. Yep. So here at the Western and Southern Open, we're going to start on the WTA side where we have our semifinals set. And the first one is Madison Keys versus Petro Kvitova, which is very exciting because I feel like we haven't seen, actually Keys has been doing well, but Kvitova, where have you been, girl? Like, honestly. But this is very nice to see for both of them uh, leading up to the U.S. Open. So starting with Keys, Madison defeated Elena Rybakina 6-2-6-4. And Madison Keys was actually a champion here in 2019 and is having an amazing tournament and just playing some amazing tennis. And she actually made the Australian Open semifinals earlier this year. So she she's had a phenomenal hardcore season, which is very promising as we go into the U.S. Open. Yeah, she also got her first win over a number one ranked player. She was previously 0-5 against world number ones um, when she defe- defeated Iga Swiatek in straight sets um, earlier in the tournament. So that's great for Madison. It took her about five match points to do so. But Iga Swiatek, we've been noticing this, um, you know, she's kind of, I think she's now 4-4 four and four since her win streak ended. Um, so definitely a little bit of a, um, stumble in her game. Nothing to really be concerned about. Like, this is normal. Um, but still something worth talking about, I think. She actually went pretty, um, spoke pretty passionately in her press conference about the U.S. Open series being played with different balls for the men versus the women. So, um... The if you notice the women's balls, they um like they have like red writing on them instead of the black, and they're a bit lighter than the men's balls, which is not really a difference you see in other tournaments. So she talked about how she doesn't like this, um, and explained that it kind of makes it so that uh the balls fly around a lot more. You see more errors. Um, it's she explained that you know. Um, quote, it's not like 10 years ago, um, except Serena, when girls, I think they played slower, right? So she's kind of trying to argue that 
the game has evolved now, especially in women's tennis, and it seems unnecessary to her to need to have these um, lighter balls, whereas in prior times there may have been concern for injury. Um, and she also feels it's not easy to control them for her game because um, she's playing a more powerful game. She seemed to imply that other players have complained about this too on the WTA side and um, that they tried talking to the WTA about it, but obviously nothing's really changed since then. But on the other side, um, Madison Keys said, who is someone who loves to play big, someone who hits the ball super hard, she said she really likes the ball. She said it's her favorite um, and that it plays fast. So this has just been a topic of conversation lately. Um, I don't really, like, (laughs) I don't really know how big of a deal it is, to be honest. Like, at the end of the day, you're playing tennis, like... Yeah, but I I do see your point. I see what she's saying. Like, it is weird that men and women have different balls. Especially if that's not something they do in other tournaments anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so, I guess I understand the point she's trying to make, but I feel like the thing is, even though, for example, Madison likes the ball... It's not because it's a lighter ball, per se. Like, it's just everybody has a different ball that's best for them. But either way, I feel like men and women should be playing with the same one. Bottom line. Yeah, especially now that, like, as you as we were saying, that um, in terms of, like, rackets and power and all that, we're, like, it, it's not that different of a, a condition. Like, obviously, as Ego was saying... The women's side doesn't play as like slow as of a game as it used to be. Um, the WTA responded to this and said that they've always used utilized regular balls for hard court play, um, but they feel you know they're hearing that some athletes want to change it to the extra duty that the men use. Um, they said, "quote The basis behind using the regular felt ball was that it limited the potential of arm, shoulder, elbow, and wrist injuries." This is something that we will continue to monitor and discuss further with both our athletes and our sports science teams. I do wonder maybe part of it has to do with the fact that the U.S. Open hard courts are a very fast surface, so that may um, warrant the need for a somewhat different ball. Um, but I also, I don't think I'm like technically knowledge enough, technically knowledgeable enough about this part of like tennis to know how much of a difference it would make or if it does make playing with those different balls but clearly the players do notice a difference regardless of whether or not they like it they don't like it or don't really care yeah and the main thing I'm getting from this is that if like Iga is right about like the statistics that with this ball women tend to make more mistakes I think that's really interesting because it kind of adds to the whole loop of men's tennis being like kind of considered more exciting to watch they are more consistent or whatever you know and this is just adding to the issue so if she's right about this then it is a real problem i guess yeah she even raised that she said quote we make more mistakes for sure so i don't think um if that's really nice to watch visually i don't know why they're different than the men's ones and then she said um you know she understands that maybe they were lighter before to avoid those injuries um quote but right now we are so physically well prepared that i don't think it would happen so interesting to see where this evolves because this has been a hot topic of conversation lately 
But, again, who knows? Yeah. Um, so then, the next match is uh, Petra Kvitova defeating Isla Tomljanovic, 6-2-6-3. So, first of all, let's shout out to Isla because she's been doing very well. She came through qualifying here all the way to the quarterfinals, defeating Paula Bedosa en route. So this is awesome to see. I feel like we haven't seen her in a little bit um, ever since she got that haircut. <laughs> Who, Paula? No, Isla. Oh, Isla, Isla, yes. Right? Yeah. And then we have Petra. Like, how awesome is it to see her doing well again after so long? She's definitely one of the most wholesome players on tour. She defeated Anjabor in three sets in the round of 16, and speaking of on, she has not been having that great of a season since the Wimbledon final. But Petra, if you can believe it, is currently ranked outside of the top 30. And she hit 31 winners in her match versus Anjabor. And she has not had a great season apart from that Eastbourne title. So it's great to see that things are coming into place as we move deeper into the hardcourt season. Yeah, and then our second semifinal is Caroline Garcia versus Arena Sabalenka. Caroline Garcia has been the player of the past couple of months, I think. She just defeated Jessica Pagula, 6-1-7-5, who's also having a very good season. Um, but Garcia, I mean, she recently took that title in Poland. She defeated Triatek there. Um, she's come all the way through qualifiers here and, you know, took out Maria Sakari and, as we said, Jessica Pagula on the way. Um, and just to underscore how good of a season Pagula is having and how well she's been playing recently, uh, just to feed Raducanu, who actually um, was playing a lot better this tournament, took out Serena Williams and Victoria Azarenka. Um, so people were kind of joking that Raducanu is out to get the moms on tour. Um, uh, Pagula also reached the uh, semis in Toronto and won the doubles title there with Coco. Quick shout out to Coco Goff for getting to the world number one spot in doubles at 18 Insane. years old. Insane. We currently have Iga Swiatek and Coco Goff as our WTA world number ones. How cool is that? Um, but Coco did unfortunately have to retire. I believe this is the first time she's ever retired from a match in Cincinnati. Um, but anyway, circling back to Caroline Garcia, this is impressive but not entirely surprising of a run from her. And I really do think that she is the title contender here. Um, I just think that this level of confidence and good momentum, um, especially on the WTA side, as, is, as has seemed to be the theme, really does pay off. Yeah. And then our other uh, quarterfinal match here was Arena Sabalenka defeating Shuai Zhang 6-4-7-6. So... Sabalenka have not heard that name in a little bit. Very long time. <laughs> yeah, but um, Zhang has been playing some solid tennis. She took out um, Osaka in the first round and then Contivate, which is, of course, unfortunate. But, I mean, that's tennis, guys. But uh, then, like, Sabalenka, she has not had a great season whatsoever, especially compared to how she's been doing the last couple of years, winning... Um, no, getting to two Grand Slam semifinals last year. But this year, she is 21-16 to win-loss in 2022. But um, she did win this match, but the double faults are still there and still very much a prevalent issue. She hit 12 double faults in her quarterfinal match. 
I mean, I guess it's just not an arena match without the double faults. At least she got there to the end, though. Yeah. Overall, though, this women's draw is giving resurgence in very different levels. Um, obviously, for Petra Kutova, it's something like a resurgence after a long time and her late stage of her career. Like, it's so nice to be seeing this. For someone like Madison Keys, it's like we know that she can perform well on the hard courts. We just haven't seen um, much of it until this year again. You know, the Australian Open semis and now here, boating well for the U.S. Open, where she obviously made the final um, about five years ago. Caroline Garcia, formerly ranked world number four in the world, um, and, you know, she actually was having a pretty good season um, a few years ago. She's coming back. And then Irina Sabalenka making a tiny resurgence after a year of not-so-great tennis compared to last year. So um, it's a chance for redemption for all of them, I think. But Josefina, I already named Garcia as my prediction for the title. Who do you think is going to take it? Um, I'm really hoping Keys takes it because I just love her and just anything U.S. Open. So I think it would be so awesome to see her holding the trophy. Also, we saw it pretty recently anyways. It's definitely something that's in her grasp. Yes. So you're feeling patriotic is what I'm hearing. America the Great. (laughs) (laughs) That feels so odd to say. Okay, so now let's get into the ATP side of things, you know, because we did the WTA, so now we have to get into the ATP stuff, whatever is going on there. But um, first, we actually have something a little, we find it exciting. It's a classic Daniil Medvedev versus Stefano Tsitsipas semifinal at a Masters 1000. This is very, very fun because of you know, all their drama and such. But um, let's talk about Daniil's quarterfinal. So he defeated Taylor Fritz, 7-6-6-3. And look, I'm not going to lie, we were a bit concerned with Daniil's hardcore season because of that Kyrgios defeat in Montreal. But we're looking solid now. Daniil has yet to drop a set in this tournament. This would be his fifth um, thousand Masters title. Um, and he actually won his maiden Masters 1000 in Cincinnati in 2019, and he made the semifinal last year, so he's looking pretty solid here. And Daniel's actually been playing an insane defensive game. He looks like he's in really good shape for the hardcore swing for this title, literally anything that's coming. Yes, and obviously by anything that's coming, we mean defending his U.S. Open title. I actually think I've heard a lot more talk about Emma Raducanu and her being a defending champion that I have about Daniel Medvedev being the defending champion, obviously. But I think that it's really um, going under the radar that he is going in to defend this title. Whereas with Emma, obviously, it was the big story, and that's what people are going to remember. But I think that that in some way might be benefiting Daniel and that people are not talking about him as much. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. And then let's talk about Taylor Fritz for a second. He is looking very tight moving into the U.S. Open. He made the quarterfinal here in Cincinnati, round of 16 in Montreal. Wait, you mean tight in a good way, right? 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope <laughs> Okay. But um, very surprisingly, Taylor's best U.S. Open result was actually just the third round, which is kind of surprising. But, I mean, this year, throughout this year, we've seen him make it deeper in slams. So I think it's very possible that he kind of has his, like, maybe big U.S. Open breakthrough this year, hopefully. At least that's what I'm hoping for. And it is a home crowd, and all these random Americans get deep into the draw, so he could be one of them, hopefully, this year. But, um, yeah, let's just see what happens there. So Taylor and Danielle, look out for them this U.S. Open. Yeah. Now, Stefano Tsitsipas is back. I have not, to be honest, seen him in the deeper rounds of tournaments in a while but he is now into the quarters he's got some pretty good wins this tournament already this one was against john isner just <laughs> who so rudely took out sebastian corda oh my in god three sets the round before i saw parts of that match and i saw mostly when sebastian had taken the second set and i was like let's go like look at you like we're gonna pull this off sadly that didn't happen like Isner just comes in and causes chaos. Like literally only in the U.S. Break my like, heart. Only in the I know, US. I know, I know. It's oh so my god. Annoying. Well, Stefanos, um, you know, treated him right. Seven six five seven six three. Um, he had a good clay season. Lost in the first round of Montreal, but this is seems to be a good return to form. Um, especially with the U.S. Open coming up. This is going to be his third consecutive since the semifinal. So we're going to see how that goes against his best friend, Daniel Medvedev. And as Josephine was saying, we just have to celebrate their iconic moment anytime they play. Yeah, it's like a moral obligation as a tennis fan to rewatch that video before every time they play. I think it was Miami. I'm honestly mm-hmm. not 100%. It was Miami, right? And they actually mm-hmm. played at Miami earlier this year. But, um, yes, it is that video that we're talking about. The uh, little, what is it, little kid that doesn't know how to fight. Just yes. Hilarious. The peak of tennis memory. But, um, anyways, our next semifinal technically does not exist yet unless... What are the scores there? I'm not entirely sure. Did a match finish? Well, I think Borna Chorich just won. Okay. So we're going to have Borna Chorich in the semis. I, let's talk about that first then. Okay, um, that sounds Borna, cool. Borna for a bit. We can talk about him. Um, I mean, Josephine, I wrote this in our notes. You're, I'm just as shocked as you are about Borna Chorich being here. We obviously um, know that he's been coming back from injury for a while. Um, and this is some great level of tennis we've been seeing from him. He defeated Rafael Nadal in the second round, 7-6-4-6-6-3. I actually fully didn't realize this happened until the next day. I know. I don't know what time so this match was. I just simply did not know. Um, yeah. This is, um, you know, obviously Nadal, we're thinking about this abdominal tear, um, this injury... Don't know how he's going to be feeling going to the U.S. Open. Um, but it was this... Who's first Cincinnati was this in five years? This was... Rafael Nadal. Rafa, okay, Rafael Nadal's first Cincinnati tournament in five years. Um, but, I mean, if he's able to get back in form for the U.S. Open and take the title, he could take the world number one spot again. 
But for now, I mean, this is really impressive tennis from Borna Chords to take out Felix as well um, mm-hmm. in this tournament. I mean, I'm pretty impressed by his ability to uh, back up that Nadal win and play at the level that we saw him playing a few years ago. Yeah, Borna Chords, who, who would have thought? But, um, yeah, he defeated Felix Auger-Lysim in the quarterfinal. But Felix, he's winning again. He saved two match points in his uh, round of 16 match against Yannick. So showing that his mental game isn't total trash, which is very good to be assured of every once in a while. But he made the quarterfinals last week at Montreal. And then he made the semis at Los Cabos the week before. So pretty solid hardcore season so far. This is not entirely mm-hmm. um, concerning flop going era. into the U.S. Open. Yeah, exactly. It's maybe no, no more flop era. Maybe he doesn't need to read my book. Yeah, but um, you know, it could always help. You know, it would never hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the other the other half of this semifinal. So it would be Borna Chorich versus either Cameron Nori or Carlos Alcaraz, both formidable opponents, one more so than the other, in my opinion, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so Your, like, yeah. Nori distaste is... So, I just find it funny. You know like, what? I don't even I know think, why, where it originates. I think it's all British people, get, except Andy Murray. And Joe Salisbury. Oh my god, yeah. How could I? But yeah, it's like Evan. He's still in the tournament. He's still in the tournament. Joe Salisbury in doubles. Always very goodness to hear. I'm obsessed with the polo shirt that he's wearing. Like, it's like Adidas light pink polo. When you get a chance to look at it, look at it. You need to send it to me. It's just amazing. Um, Cam Nori to make his way into this quarterfinal defeat Ben Shelton. 6-love, six 6-2. Six okay, whatever. It was routine win. Who cares? But let's talk about Ben Shelton. Um, a tennis channel broadcaster called him Big Ben, which is actually kind of funny. Um, I'll give them that. Um, but Ben Shelton, his name's been floating around the tennis world since about last U.S. Open um, because he is the reigning NCAA singles champion for the University of Florida Gators. Um, he came into this tournament as a wild card. Um, and this is his first Masters 1000 event, and he took out Lorenzo Sonego, and then a top five win against Casper Ruud, being the youngest player to defeat a top five um, player for uh, since, like, in the past like five years or something. Um, oh, I thought it was like yeah, since it, Carlos I mean, Alcaraz. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, I'm um, so confused. Um, yeah, I don't. I read that stat somewhere, but whatever. Like, we love Casper, but... And Casper's been playing well lately, so this is, like, pretty awesome stuff from Ben. Yeah. And then, you know, like, this is just my two cents, because we don't usually talk about the game itself. You know, it's kind of just, like, the scores, how the players are doing. But I think that Ben was able to get this win against Casper. 6-3-6-3. Pretty even scoreline. Because... Casper, we know him as a clay court expert, you know? So I think he's used to... Wait, what was I even getting into? Oh, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching the highlights. I was watching the highlights, and Ben plays, like, an insanely fast game. 
Like, that kid just rips it as soon as possible in whatever point he's playing, which is, like, insane. It's so fun and dynamic to watch. But Casper, you know, he plays a slower topspin game, and I think they really just counteracted each other, and Ben, his his style is really the one that's going to take Casper's down. But, um, you know, don't listen to me about the clay court expert thing, because we actually, didn't we just watch, like, I sent you a video about how, like, a broadcaster or producer was telling Casper that he had a sexy forehand, and then they got into talking about how uh, Casper is not, he doesn't consider himself a clay court expert, he actually says he's, like, pretty all around, so, so, yeah, I don't know that where aside, I'm going but, this, but. <laughs> no, but you, the point that you made about game sales still holds true, um, and I mean, Ben Shelton, he is entering his junior year of college this fall, his dad has been his coach, you know, he's the Gators coach, and, um, he is also a former pro himself. He's been traveling with him in the past couple of tournaments. Um, he has two top ten wins himself. And to top it all off, Ben Shelton pulled off a tweener lob winner against Casper in this match. So great for him. It's great to see, again, another college tennis to pro tennis transition that we love to see. Um, and, I mean, just another thing about Cam Norrie, this guy's also been looking pretty consistent the past couple of weeks. So I would also keep an eye on him uh, going into the U.S. Open. But in terms of who he is playing right now, Carlos Alcaraz, who obviously has been the player of the year, um, or one of the players of the year um, so far, he's kind of... I actually didn't even realize he was still in this tournament. Me neither, right? no one's really talking about him. Because I guess now it's just expected that he gets this far. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not even like as big of a story. And they have this other, like, Gen Z rising star, another 19-year-old all of a sudden. So everyone's yeah. kind of been paying attention to that. And Carlos is, Carlitos, he's just chilling, you know. He's just, like, quietly winning, doing what he's supposed to do. But um, it's crazy to think that it was literally a year ago that we saw his, like, big break at the U.S. Open against Steph. And we're closing in on the U.S. Open again. And if... Carlos wins this Cincinnati title, he has a chance to get the number two spot, which is crazy. Yeah. That's insane. He's That's the insane. only player this year to win two um, Masters 1000s. Like, this kid is insane. Actually. Alright, yeah. title predictions. I'm gonna go with Daniil. I just feel like it's time for things to finally fall in place. Um... You know, he's kind of, I felt, had an on-and-off year, interrupted by either some not-so-great weeks, also the Wimbledon ban. Um, I really want to see him succeed at this U.S. Open, and I'm impressed by the way that he's been playing, not dropping a set so far. Um, I think that straight sets win over Taylor Fritz says a lot. Um, so, I don't know. I think the Tsitsipas hurdle and then... He could totally rise to the occasion against Nori or um, Alcaraz. Yeah. I'm... I honestly... I want Daniel to win, but I just had... I don't know. One of my weird gut prediction things mm-hmm. popping into my head, and that's... Cam Nori? No, absolutely not. Even though, like, I kind of see it. He won a Masters 1000 this year, right? Yeah, he, he won, won Indian, Indian Wells, Wells right? but it was, like... Fluke. Like I'm kidding. It was in. I'm it kidding. was last year. It was like the one in the fall. 
Yeah. Like the October Indian Wells. Oh, okay. That's why it feels weird. But um, I think it's going to be Steph. I don't know. Okay. I feel like he won Rome earlier this year. I feel like that was big, and he did that before the French Open. And I feel like he's just going to, like, get this title and then lose in the first round of the U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is Game, Set, and Match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next week as the U.S. Open approaches. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.